update number 11 is upon us. Welcome back, all of our listeners. We appreciate it. It's the uh, Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. It is, as I said, podcast number 11. And Julie, first and foremost, how you doing? I'm good. How is uh, San Francisco? San Francisco is good. We're taping this early in the morning, so uh, the sun is not out yet. But yesterday was awesome. I drove down the coast. Uh, a little past Half Moon Bay and just uh, chilled out and looked at the ocean splash against the shore. Gorgeous, uh, gorgeous off the uh, Pacific Coast Highway. So it was a good day off. How about yours? It was good. Did you take a swim or too cold? No, I no, I don't go in there. <laughs> uh, it's no. not too far from uh, an area of the um, the surfing world would know this. It's called the Mavericks. Uh-huh. And that is some of the biggest waves that you'll find anywhere and some you know, the best surfers in the world go there. I wouldn't go in that water in a million years. (laughs) Cold Uh and the waves are enormous. So no, not going swimming, but I'm watching from the shore. Hey, we got a great podcast. We're going to talk Rockies uh, today. We're going to talk about uh, the Broncos as well. We have an interview with Trevor Story. No, we don't. We have it. Yes, we do. I'm confusing who we have today. We have Trevor. You're in today, California. So, uh, it makes sense. I'm in California. It's early <laughs> in the morning. Our ideal home loans uh, interview is Trevor's story today. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We're going to talk college football also, but a uh, lot to do. So uh, let's get it started. The Rockies come into the final week of the season. Tremendously disappointing year. As we all know, it's been a very dismal second half. I have a guy for you, though, Julie. Every week I talk about try to find something positive. Last week we were talking a lot about the breakout year for Ryan McMahon. Uh, Mm -hmm. Garrett Hampson coming on. He continues to come on. But Sam Hilliard is very intriguing. Just about uh, 50-some-odd at-bats as we tape this. He's already hit six home runs. You gotten a chance to watch him at all? A little bit, a little bit. I mean, I kind of like that you're giving us some uh, something to look forward to next year, something to keep our eye on. Um, so, yeah, tell me about him, why you like him so much, or why you have hope that maybe we can see more of him next year. Well, he's six five. He has as natural power, as big a natural uh, set of power that you'll find anywhere. I mean, he hit the ball over the stadium. And he hit 32 home runs in Albuquerque this year. He's always hit home runs, but he's always struck out at a really high rate. He's going to have to bring that strikeout rate down. It's around 31% right now uh, with a handful of at-bats in the big leagues. But the power is stunning. He's already hit six home runs, as I said, in in 54 at-bats right now, which that is uncommon power. He's a terrific athlete. He can really run. So it's not just like he's a one-trick pony. The Rockies have played him quite a bit in center field. He looks comfortable out there. He's played a lot in center field in the minor leagues. So this is a guy that is, as he matures, and he has a great work ethic, and he has great focus, so you can just tell um, this is really important to him. Uh, I'm really intrigued by him. Okay, so let me ask you something that I think – a lot of us want to know, and that's that's good to point out these kind of guys. But I do think, as we talk almost every week, it starts with pitching, and we've gone ad nauseum about the the inconsistencies and the disappointments on the Rockies' pitching staff. So when we look at the rotation next year, we t- we look at Marquez and John Gray, who had a good year before he got injured, and Freeland, who just got a couple innings uh, against the Dodgers, and maybe Chi Chi Rodriguez, maybe Peter Lambert. 
But is this something like a lot of people think, okay, are the Rockies going to make a move in the offseason? Is there a free agent pitcher out there that the Rockies can look at? Because I do think to stand pat with what happened this year is not going to go over well. So are we going to see a new face in the Rockies rotation? Well, first of all, Julia, it's a great question. Before I answer the question, I want to pick out one of the faux pas that you just um, made that I worry about every. Yeah, I do. Because every time the Chi Chi pitches, Uh I worry about doing what you just did. You named him the famous golfer, Chi Chi Rodriguez. It's Chi Chi Gonzalez. Oh, my God, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. And I always think of, remember, Chichi Rodriguez. I do, I, know, I do. I, I said, I'm going to do this six times a game. And <laughs> I don't think I've done it yet, but you just did. So I want to embarrass you. Thank you. Uh, My if, bad. If, if Chichi Rodriguez is out there pitching, the Rockies uh-huh. have no chance next year. That's Zero. a great point. That's good. Very Chichi insightful. Gonzalez, yeah, Chichi <laughs> Gonzalez, on the other hand, um, he has he has improved uh, the last few outings, he's got a little more pep on his fastball. Uh, I think his confidence is growing, and he is a guy that I think will be in the mix, uh, not certainly for depth next year, but, but but maybe to be as part of the back end of that rotation. You're absolutely right, Julie. It's going to be Marquez. It's going to be John Gray. They can miss bats. They have elite stuff. Marquez will head up the rotation. Kyle Freeland, hopefully taking it. He's going to make another, you know, small start here, throw two or three innings, take some confidence into the offseason, and hopefully return to somewhat similar form to what we saw last year. Will he finish fourth in, in the Cy Young? You know, that may turn out to be his career year. And if it is, that's okay because he's far better than what we saw this year. We understand that. He's a great competitor. Um, he has good stuff. And I think he'll be fine. So now you have three, right? You need right. a lot more than that. I agree with you. I think that another strong member of that rotation has to come from outside the organization because Lambert is a young prospect. He's just 22. He's probably pitching in the big leagues a little bit before he's ready to. Uh, you mentioned Chichi Gonzalez, but outside of that, for them to be able to be a contender again next year, and you have Senzatella in the mix, I understand that, uh, but they they need another guy, in my opinion. And the only way you're going to do that is, is probably through a trade. Because when it comes to free agency, free agent pitchers that you want aren't raising their hand and saying, hey, I want to come running to Colorado if I have other options. Well, yeah, but... What if, I mean, the Rockies have shown in the past few years that they'll, they'll, they'll pay the money. Oh, no right? question. They'll, they'll pay, but the last couple, unfortunately, when you talk about Brian Shaw coming here, when you talk about uh, Jake McGee staying because he was already, already a Rocky and, and Wade Davis, naturally. Wade's year last year, he set the franchise record for saves. You know, it, it got a little sketchy a little bit toward the end. This year has been a grand disappointment. Brian Shaw has overall, for, for what they've asked him to do, it's been a disappointment. I mean, there's no other way to, you know, to to look at that. I, I respect the heck out of Brian Shaw. He takes the baseball every day, if you ask him. That's the way he he's wired. Uh, he's He's been better this year than last year. You know, Jake McGee. Uh, for him, he, the inherited runner scored this year is the highest in baseball. So when other pitchers look at their body of work, unfortunately, they're going to see disappointment 
And I think that will make them pause or their agents pause, no matter what the Rockies are willing to pay before they say, hey, I want to go there. I I hope I'm wrong in that regard. But I do think the best way to get a high quality starter is probably through a trade. Okay, so you talk about a trade. And then the first thing I think of is, so if if you're going to make an impact, if you're going to get a player that's going to make an impact, you got to give up something. So where the, you got to give up somebody of value, right? So where the franchise is now, I think that's going to be interesting to watch, to see the priority that they put on this. Cause you can't make a good trade and get a good player without giving up a good player. No, that's the way it works. You have to, most trades through the history of baseball are looked upon from both sides as, hey, we're not trying to win the trade. We're trying to take, you know, an asset and give you an asset and you give us an asset back where, where we match needs as opposed to who we're going to we're going to try to, you know, uh, pass along something that's broken down. and doesn't work. And, and somehow you didn't realize that. Uh, so, yes, you're going to have to trade something that is of value or of potential value, a, a really young, well-thought-of player, or maybe it's a young player already in the big leagues, and hope you can get something back with a team that that has, um, you know, is more pitching rich right now than the Rockies are. If you had to guess, do you think? And we're not really gonna we're not gonna name names because we don't know. But are you going to? If there's a trade, are you thinking that it's a, a big-time player, a marquee player? They're gonna go, oh, wow, so that happened. I, I don't think it would be one of the established players already making good money. I mean, if you're thinking about Nolan or Trevor or I, I don't th- there's no way there's no right. way they're they're, they're the you foundation just two of guys that are no way yeah. the organization. Yeah, no. In my mind, no way. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't I, I, listen. I don't make decisions. I, I think it's probably if they were to go that direction and they may not. But if they were to go that direction, it's somebody that maybe is controllable for um, another couple of years that has established themselves as a, you know, as a solid player. Um, you know, they, they have they have Toppy in the outfield. They have David Dahl in the outfield. Would they part with one of those guys? Would they be able to get something back that they feel could really help them, you know, in the rotation? Perhaps you look. Listen, when you have a bad year, it is your obligation to do everything you can to improve, even if you had a good year. You're trying yeah. to improve your 40-man roster so you can continue to compete at a high level if that's what you just did. Uh, the Rockies did the last couple of years. This year they did not. So that, that's what you do. You look in every corner. You look at every possibility. You you always answer the phone. And, and that's your job as a front office, and that's what that's what they'll do. So it will be, I think, Julie, uh, you know, to sum it up, and we're going to have a lot, you know, plenty more conversations about this, but it'll be a fascinating offseason to see what the Rockies are able to do, you know, and maybe what they attempt to do. They, there's a lot of things that that don't happen that people mm-hmm. go, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? You have no idea what they attempted to do. If it doesn't happen, you never learn about it. Right. Hey, you mentioned Trevor's story. You had a chance to catch up with Trevor, which is uh, a fantastic opportunity to do as the season winds down. We're going to hear from Trevor right after this. get to our Trevor story interview as always one of our great sponsors ideal home loans Brett Ivinson's company since 2001 I've been involved with them the last several years love these guys hey listen they're not going to give you the hard sell this is so important 
to me. Uh, I, nobody gets more turned off, uh, I think, than and than than the person that is coming on way too hard, trying to uh, let you know that you have to do this, otherwise you're making a, a mortal sin. They're not going to do that. They're going to present to you as to why being with Ideal Home Loans is the right way to go. And they're just going to give you facts um, because they're salary-based. There's no commissions involved, that sort of thing. They're terrific at what they do. 303-867-7000 is their number. 303-867-7000. Here are a couple of things that you should know right off the bat where it'll give you a great idea as to why I'm involved with them and you should be if you have a need as well. They're the preferred uh, mortgage provider of the Colorado Rockies, three years running. They have a superb rating with the Better Business Bureau, which is something you just don't um, have with every company. If you're looking to consolidate debt, if you are buying a home, if you're looking at refinancing a home, they're the folks to go see. Interest rates right now are terrific, and they will do you right. Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. And they also provide us with our interview of the day. It is the great Rocky shortstop, Trevor Story. Growing up in Texas, who was your guy? Um, you know, I think Michael Young was definitely my guy. Um, you know, I love watching him play. Um, you know, Pudge, pretty much all the Ranger legends. Um, but I think my guy guy was Derek Jeter. You know, just kind of growing up, playing shortstop. And, um, you know, I think he's obviously the golden standard there. So, um, yeah, Jeter, Jeter's my guy and still is. Jeter's one of those guys that everybody who plays short wore number two for about 20 years, it seemed like. Was it, was it just style? Was it cool? Was it how he went about his business? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's that whole kind of persona that he had around him. You know, it wasn't super flashy or, um, you know, in your face or anything like that. He was so respectful to the game and, um, you know, you never see him get in trouble off the field or anything like that. And he, you could just tell he had that presence about him, you know, the captain. And um, but he still, you know, he still had swag, too. <laughs> so it's not like he was out there, um, you know, uh, not playing and not having fun. So, you know, just. I think, you know, he, he just won so much and was on those great teams uh, to where it just kind of, you know, it created that persona around him. And, you know, he's a great, great player. You know, all the individual stats speak for themselves. Was it was it always baseball first? I mean, you grew up in a football crazy state. You're a terrific athlete. But was baseball always number one? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I loved, loved playing football, loved playing basketball. You know, like you said, Texas is – it's, you know, it's a culture down there playing football. And, um, you know, it's tough for me to kind of walk away from that. Um, you know, I really did enjoy playing, but, um, you know, I just didn't have that that extra, you know, little feeling in my stomach about playing it like I did for baseball. Um, so once I broke my collarbone, you know, my sophomore year playing football, I think, you know, that, that was the time where I was like, all right, you know, I think it's time to just play baseball. One more football question, though, because I've messed with you a little bit on the air and saying, you know, he'd be a heck of a free safety, be a good wide out. Offense or defense? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say offense. Oh uh, yeah, I think I could. You know, I think I would. I don't know how. You know, it's hard to say if you know if I could play there or not. But um, I'm gonna go with my uh, my comp is Adam Thielen because we were just talking about that the other day. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not a bad comp. Okay. Um, baseball this year. Let's turn our page back to baseball. What are you most pleased with individually as a third-year guy? Um, Fourth know, year. I think it's, uh, you know, I think I've been proud of myself um, just day in and day out, just bringing the same type of energy, um, you know, trying to lead this team, you know, with the other leaders that we have. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's been one of my goals is to come every day and, and be the same guy, no matter if I'm playing well or if I'm not. Um, and I, I think that that's helped me be more consistent on the field too. So I think, you know, that's always the biggest, the biggest thing for me is consistency. Um, and I think you look at guys like Jeter, you know, he's the, he was the most consistent and, you know, you do that over a long time and you, you know, you become, you become really good. So, um, I think just, just trying to repeat, you know, what I do good day in and day out has been my main goal. And I think that's, that's what I'll say I'm most proud of. I think it's interesting you mentioned leadership because by nature you're a quieter guy and I uh, you know I watch guys like Cargo who you remain very close to put his arm around you when you were a young player but it seems like now you're seeing yourself more as a veteran guy and now you have this next group coming up the Hampsons the Hilliards how comfortable are you putting your arm around them or maybe speaking up in front of 24 other guys in the clubhouse yeah it's um it's something that you know I take I take very personal um like you said, because I had guys like Cargo, um, you know, Nolan and Chuck, those guys put their arm around me and, um, you know, made me feel welcome and, made, you know, reiterated to me, you know, how good I could be. And um, just, just that belief and, you know, it's, it's different from, than hearing him say it, you know. Uh, I think that means a lot to a player. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really just trying to pass it along, you know, like those guys did for me. And, um because those guys can be really good, and I think they have a chance to help us win a lot of games. And um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna need them at you know at full confidence and at full strength. And I think you know that, that's part of um, you know going you know coming up on the end of my fourth year. I think that's part of you know being um, a leader and, and trying to trying to have a good team. I asked you about three younger guys and and break them down for me and 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 be honest in terms of how you feel they project. Um, you take one at a time, McMahon, Hampson, and now you've got to see Hilliard the last few weeks. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, McMahon. He's uh, you know this guy's so special. I think he can be so special on both sides of the ball. He already is, but he can be. You know, he can he can even be you know that much better. Um, you know, he's hit 20 home runs and uh, you know drove in 80 RBIs and um, <clears throat> you know we feel like he's he's just scratching the surface of what he can be. And I think you've seen on defense the same type of thing, you know, the potential of, you know, a gold glove, um, possibly, you know, he's he's making unbelievable plays, very, very athletic, very instinctive. And it's uh, it's special to watch that because, you know, we we're pretty close and I, you know, I know how hard he works. So he, he puts in that work and, um, you know, it's cool to see it come. And, you know, I think he's excited for the for the future. And um, Hampson, man, he's uh, he can wreak havoc out there. You know, he's. He can affect the game in so many different ways with his speed, uh, his bat, his glove, whether it's in center or second base. You know, he's very solid at all those positions. And um, I think he can be like kind of a Trey Turner type guy, you know, steal bases like whenever he wants. Um, you know, just affect the game in so many different ways. And uh, that, that's so valuable. And I think, you know, it's going to be super valuable for us. Um, and Sammy, he's uh, – I think you've seen some of the home runs he's hit. You know, he just has – probably the most pop on our team and um you know i think 
he can he's learning to harness that and you know control it and um, he's having really good at bats right now and I think it's special you know to see that from such a young guy that you know he's coming up here controlling the strike zone um, he obviously can get a little better there but um, it's special to, to see that man and it's uh, it's exciting for us and he's you know he's I think he's just as fast as anybody on this team so he can fly around out there and make plays in the outfield as well and um, just I think all three of those guys can affect this game in so many different ways you know if, if they're not hitting then they can play defense or you know they can steal a base to help us win and I think that's the mark you know a lot of those guys add up to a good team. You know I bragged on you the last couple of years before all the metrics came out about you know 30 plus feet per second and, and all that in terms of your foot speed so if you line up with Hampy We'll give you a 40-yard to make a football measurement and a baseball measurement, a 40 and a 60. It's you and Hampy, and you, you threw Hilliard in there. He's a long strider. He can run. Who wins the 40? Who wins the 60? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to pick Hamp to win the 40 because um, I think it takes me a little bit longer to get going. You know, I feel like he's top speed right out of the gate. He's he's a little more smooth than I am. I feel like, um, you know, it looks like he's gliding out there, but I think I might I might fetch him up, you know, coming on that sixty once I get going a little bit. And I think uh, Sammy's kind of the same as me. I think, and um, I think you got to catch us at the right time. You know, right now I think they'll they're gonna dust me because <laughs> I'm a little more tired. But um, you know, I think full speed. It it I mean, it'll be really close. All three of us. By the way, you're a smooth runner also. Um, Gold Glove, what would it mean to you, honestly? And I, and I know you're a humble guy, but I get I have the pleasure of watching you every night. And, again, I don't see Javi Baez every night. We see highlights. I don't see some of the other guys every night. But I feel like I have a good feel for the other shortstops in the league. How important would it be? Uh, yeah, honestly, it would, it would be huge for me. Um, you know, that's something that I've had my eyes on for a long time. Um, I think that's playing defense, you know, at the shortstop position is so, um, so important. And I think, um, you know, I take so much pride in that, you know, in my pre-work, pre-game work, uh, taking ground balls, you know, practicing the, the tough plays. And, um, you know, I just, I just want to, I want to be known as a guy that can do both. Um, and, you know, not, not just a guy that can do both, but, you know, is, is one of the best at the both. And um, so that, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, you know, it's kind of out of my control, you know, with the voting and stuff like that. So I just go out there and try to, um, you know, make as many plays as I can for the pitcher. And uh, we'll see where it ends up at the end of the year. You and Nolan have anything going with uh, not, not only the, the, a personal competition, but just overall saying, hey, nothing getting through the left side here. Yeah, yeah I think it's, uh, you know, it's kind of an unspoken thing. You know, we don't, um, you know, we – we're very prideful on, you know, that side of defense, obviously, because I learned so much from him, and you know, he's taught me so much without, I think, even knowing it. And um, yeah, we, uh, you know, we feel like if it's on the ground, you know, it shouldn't get through. And you know, that's that's a realistic thought that we have. You know, if it does touch the ground on that side of the diamond, then um, you know, we want to make it an out, and uh, that's our goal. You know, sometimes it doesn't happen, but. Um, yeah, I think when we're when we're reaching and striding towards that, and that's our goal, then you know we're going to make a lot of plays over there. 
mean, Trev, there's no denying after the success of the last couple of years team-wise, uh, this year tremendous disappointment. How does this club get better? How does it get back to where you all were a year ago competing for a division title, et cetera? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we need to we need to be better, I think, in all aspects of the game for sure. Uh, you know, there's not one thing that you can point to and say, you know, this is why I think, um, you know, we didn't we didn't hit when we didn't pitch and vice versa. So, um, you know, we didn't really do a good job of picking each other up, you know, when the when the offense was down or, you know, when the pitching was down. And I think it was just kind of bad timing in that aspect. And, you know, injuries didn't help. That's for sure. But um, I don't think we can I don't think you can sit here and blame it on injuries. Um, you know, I think we need to look ourselves in the mirror and really, um, you know, evaluate our seasons. And, you know, I think at a personal level and everybody needs to see how how they can get better and, you know, take that into the offseason. I think, um, you know, coming back, I think this this was a reality check a little bit. And I think, um, you know, obviously we, we feel like we have a way better team than what we've performed. And uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to be coming back next year with a different type of hunger, that's for sure. That interview with Trevor Story brought to us by Ideal Home Loans. And, you know, I love that interview because we don't get to hear from Trevor a lot. Even though he makes a lot of noise on the field, he's one of the more quieter members on the team. Pretty reserved, I would say, but uh, there's no doubt his talent speaks for himself. Where do you think, Drew, he kind of falls in, in shortstops in Major League Baseball? Where would you, I guess, rank him? I like that question because he's getting close to the top of the heap. So, you know, you get the Javi Baez's of the world. We just saw, you know, Seager in uh, out west here. You have, um, oh, you got Correa in Houston. I'm thinking of uh, of all the top ones. And, and he is, there, there's some great shortstops in the game. We understand that. Uh, but Trevor's story, when you combine power, speed, and his ability defensively, I think whenever you have this discussion, he has to be there among the top three guys in the sport. And, and that is legitimate. It's not hyperbole. He has earned that. And I think he will continue to get better because of work ethic, skill set, desire. Do you think, I think we know that. Do you think nationally people know that? Oh, it's the same thing for years. You know, who's this Troy Tulowitzki guy? Um, and, you know, the, he, he actually had the benefit of very, very early in his career. The Rockies were in the World Series. Uh, mm -hmm. Nolan has fought that battle, Julie, as you well know, for years. And now I, not only the baseball universe, but I think the, the sports universe, maybe even the casual observer of baseball realizes, oh, yeah, that guy Arenado, they see enough highlights. He's really, really good. It's not just that guy who plays out there in the mountain in the mountains. Um, so I think Trevor is certainly trending in that direction without question. People in the industry know that this guy's, this guy's not just a good player. This guy's a great player. You know, I like talking to Trevor. The last time I talked to him, we, I had, I was asking, it was before the Broncos season and I was asking about NFL picks and his eyes kind of lit up. <laughs> like, I think he's fine talking baseball, but I think he really, like he loves the NFL. I mean, he was, I think the most on top of what's going on with the Broncos and the NFL in that clubhouse. He loves sports. He, he's one of those guys that you see when he's in town and it's the winter, you'll see him. Oh wait, he's courtside at a nuggets game goes and mm -hmm. catches an avalanche game when he, when he's home, 
Um, in Dallas, you'll he he goes and catches games there. He loves sports, man. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's like any young guy. Let's he got a night off. Let's go catch a game. Hey, speaking of Broncos, uh, I, fortunately or unfortunately, so the Broncos now 0-3 after that 27-16 to loss to Green Bay. Um, you know, we're not going to rehash the entire game because that's not what we do. A couple things, though, I want to point out from that game. I, I don't think I'm completely shocked, completely shocked that they're 0-3, but I want to start with something that happened after the game. Did you see the comments from Aaron Rodgers? Pretty, I thought pretty smug comments about that that's like the cleanest his game jersey uh, was after a game that he took one hit and that he was going to go home and have some scotch. Even though the Broncos are 0-3, it still bugged me, man. I still wanted to bug me. Well, it was pouring salt. Well, it bugged you because you're pulling for the Broncos and it's pouring salt in the wounds. He was being honest. I don't think his intent was to pour salt in the wounds of, of the Broncos. But that should sound alarm bells. The Broncos have played three football games. Every person who bleeds orange or even takes a casual interest in the Broncos understands they have not sacked the quarterback. And they also have not forced a turnover. Yet this was a defense that was going to be the leaders of this team going forward in 2019 and the fact that Aaron Rodgers oftentimes had two and a half three three and a half seconds to throw the football and felt like hey I'm not going to be sore at all I'm going to go home and have a, a glass of scotch and start studying tape for next week's opponent that's amazing to me especially when as everybody knows you have Miller on one side Chubb on the other you know, Derek Wolf, I know got hurt, but th- this is, this is, this is serious now. This isn't just, oh, this is a poor start. Is it recoverable? Absolutely. But the fact that your calling card was going to be defense and your defense hasn't touched the quarterback, they could have been two hand touch and, and Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have been down yet. Yeah. It's so surprising because this was, we can call the offense young because they are, you know, when you look at the, the running, not at quarterback, but, um, the running backs and the wide receivers and really the tight ends, but the defense, I think the defense was the established group. And then you bring in somebody like a Vic Fangio, that's his calling card is defense. And hopefully they can get on track against Jacksonville, which we'll talk about in a second. Something else that happened after the game, Emmanuel Sanders uh, spoke to the media and he said, you know, we're, we're in a world of suck right now. That was his exact quote. And he talked about how many catches he got and I don't know, Drew, that just, it, it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way because I thought, all right, this is an established leader here. And other guys on the team were trying to say, listen, we got knocked down. We got to get back up. We got to look next week. We got to have a short memory. But then you've got a leader on the team saying we're in a world of sucks, talking about his own personal stats. It, it reminded me of a couple years ago when he and DT weren't getting the ball and they both spoke openly about not getting the ball. And as we know, a couple years ago, it's not a place that we want to go again. I don't know. It just it was I just I didn't want to see it. I'm just curious about your thoughts. Well, you don't want that to be the precursor for a team fracturing. When things don't go well, you don't need fingers pointed. You don't need people saying, hey, I'm not getting mine. Mm-hmm. And 
it, it could be a, a Pandora's box if that opens. Now, you know, next weekend it's imperative they find a way uh, to win a football game and start and start getting some good mojo going. Are they awful? I mean, no, they're not. They're not like the Jets. They're not like the Miami Dolphins. Um, so we don't need to push the the huge panic button yet. But I don't like seeing that. If you're if you're a leader in any organization, sports or otherwise, when things right. don't go well, publicly, you need to spout, we're together, we're going to get this right. You know, privately, if there's some issues that, that need to be addressed, that's fine. But nobody wants to hear about uh, that you're not getting the ball enough or that sort of thing after a loss because you lose together just like you win together. Um, one other note, Julie, I don't know. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, Cause I was uh, Did you see what Shaq Barrett has done so far this year? Yes. And I love it. And I'm sad about it <laughs> at the same time. Cause I, I'm a big Shaq Barrett fan when he was here. I, he's a, such a good person and I was bummed to see him go. And as a Bronco fan to see what he's doing now. Yeah. That's painful. I, I understand it became a numbers game financially, and Shaq Barrett w- was, you know, such a useful guy as as the third, if you will, uh, outside linebacker pass rush, outside linebacker pass rush guy. But he goes to Tampa, folks. He has eight sacks in three games. He had a quarter of a million dollar um, incentive that if he got to eight sacks in 2019, he got he got a quarter of a million dollar bonus. He's got it in three games. (laughs) And the Broncos, I need not remind everybody, do not have a sack yet. And Shaq Barrett, who was a terrific player at CSU, undrafted. And I give the Broncos credit. They're really good at at finding undrafted guys who become impact players like C. Chris Harris uh, in the league. But Shaq Barrett's doing it for Tampa. Proud of him because, uh, you know, he's a CSU guy. And um, unfortunately... He's no longer a Bronco, but you can't really, I mean, when you, I think some people are going to want to blame the Broncos and I mean, John always come under a lot of fire lately, especially in the zero and three start. I, I can't really blame the organization for letting him go. I mean, there's look at the players in front of him, right? I mean, that's no, just there's I, a salary cap and he's right. right. And he, and he needed to go, he needed to go and try to have an opportunity to make more money uh, somewhere else. So no, it, it's a circumstantial thing and it's really easy to point and say, Oh, look at him. How come he's still not in the fold? But it, it was one of those decisions that was probably a no brainer uh, for the Broncos as they, as they tried to look at what their budget was going to be on both sides of the football and where a certain guy felt that those are decisions that happen every year. And, and the Broncos are probably very happy that he's, you know, certainly doing well. Right now. Did you notice also in that game against green Bay, Garrett Bowles did not have a holding call. He did not. I told you, and you were, you were beating <laughs> him up last week. I said, hang in there with him. I know it's one game. Hang in well, there with him. There's and, a reason for that. He's though. able to build on this. You know, the reason is because of that conference call that the NFL had about that they were calling way too many holding calls. I think before Sunday's game, they were calling almost six holding calls per game, an average. After Sunday's game, I think it was cut in half. I mean, that was becoming a problem. And even Tom Brady came out 
and said it was no, a problem. Tom Brady. Oh, Julie, you got this all wrong. First of all, oh, Tom again? Brady Tom, <laughs> again. Tom Brady came out and got after the officials when watching the what was it? The Thursday night game yeah. or the Sunday night the game? Titans game? Yeah. The Titans game is Thursday night game against mm -hmm. Jacksonville, who the Broncos were playing this week. Um, right. He came out in actuality after listening to our podcast last week, <laughs> where we went off on the fact that the games are, are becoming unwatchable. They're throwing way too many flags. They have an edict that if you think you see a foul, call it, as opposed to what we suggested unless you are a hundred percent positive, you see a foul committed, don't throw the flag. So they've done a 180. Tom was influenced by our podcast last week. <laughs> and now the NFL is listening. So we, we have a very, um, we have, we have famous listeners and mm -hmm. we obviously are being very impactful early on in our, um, in our little podcast run in a little podcast world yeah i mean i have a feeling garrett bowles could have done anything he wanted and wasn't going or any of the offensive linemen uh that was probably a good day to be an offensive lineman hey i'm i'm the nfl for as much as they do some stuff wrong they do a lot right and i like the quick response to this because it was going to become a major storyline right I don't know if it's quick though, Julie. I've been saying this for the last few years. Well, they I, I was watching. I know. I and it's not just the NFL; it's college football, and mm -hmm. you know how much I love college football. Mm -hmm. I was watching the Toledo Colorado State game last week mm -hmm. because I didn't have the sound up because we I think we were in the booth and stuff. I don't know who the referee's name is, but mm -hmm. facially. <laughs> He's gotten more airtime than Oprah used to get. I mean, it's ridiculous. Honest to goodness. He was on all the time. And then there would be a five-minute delay when they look at, uh, you know, uh, there was a challenge. It, it just, mm -hmm. they've slowed the game down to a crawl. And it's not, it's not just the NFL. It's college as well. I saw another game this weekend, Julie. It was the, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget who I was watching. Good good football team that lost two safeties late in the game for targeting. And I'm like, Was it a top one, 10 team? Yeah, uh, I'll think of it and I'll think of it in a second. But it, it was, it was awful. Mm -hmm. it, it was awful. I mean, anytime there there's contact that you can't just throw a guy out of a college football game. There has to be tiers of targeting like, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three, and one may be a flag. One may be, Oh, wow. That was so awful. It's an ejection for, and then what they have right now. And then you sit out the next half, but just throwing guys out when the game is played at such a high speed. And sometimes there is going to be, contact to the helmet we understand that they need to clean that up in college football also do you think that college football is going to follow suit for what the nfl just did because it was so noticeable right i mean it was it was so noticeable on sunday do you think that they're having those conversations right now like okay that got a good response that was a positive response now what do we do in college yeah i i do think they pay attention to what the what the nfl is doing and how they're administering uh, flags on the field and also with the interest to 
how they are taking care of players when it comes to safety. And then we're talking about the head. I, I do think that they certainly um, are looking closely at what the NFL does. So Drew, the podcast is coming to a close. You do have, I do have to be transparent that whenever you're in a place within ocean, I every day get a shot of you on the beach. Uh, will you be doing that? Well, you're in San Francisco, but will you be out and about in San Francisco? That's one of the best, that's one of the best places to go. San Francisco's it's a world-class city. It's great. Um, mm -hmm. There's, uh, if you have time, you can certainly find beaches. I did yesterday, I, uh, but <laughs> I didn't go in the water like in San Diego or when I'm in L.A., I can dip right. my toes in the water, but I'm not going near the water in Northern California. Uh, no, today's going to be a city day. Today's a city day. Get ready for the ball game tonight. Rockies, uh, as we tape this, getting ready for uh, three against the uh, Giants in the home stretch. It is the home stress. So the last, our last podcast of the season, of the baseball season, while it's still going on, will be next week, and you will be back at home. Have a great time in San Francisco. Hope the Rockies can pull it out uh, out there, and we'll see you next week. You got to have a great week, guys. Thank you for listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And remember, check out our website at thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com.